the following podcast is intended for adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The Iron Realm, Chapter 56, Orc Pirates. To be faced with a band of cutthroats would have been, in and of itself, terrifying. But these were no ordinary cutthroats. These were orcs. And orcs are huge. Green and hulking, armed with cutlasses and crossbows and volatile tempers. There were roughly twenty of them, and their eyes narrowed at Solas and Bardar as they came through the door, and some of them grunted and cursed and growled. The largest had identified himself as Bloodbeard, and his name was apt, for the filthy mat on his face was indeed a deep red color, red and black together, with stained yellow teeth and a rotting, wretched breath. He glared at the fighters who had stumbled into his domain, and then he said, And what do we have here? More slaves, boys. They look strong enough. They should fetch us a fine price, methinks. At once, a dozen bows were leveled at the man and the halfling, and it was at this time that Solus and Bardar both realized three haggard dwarves, a woman and two men, crouched down at the back of the room, held its sword point, pleading with their eyes, as if begging for their freedom. Solus raised up his shield, and Bardar raised the skull sword, and the two of them backed towards the door. If it's money you want, we can pay you for the dwarves. This doesn't have to come to blows. But Bloodbeard had already given the command, and already the quarrels were flying. Barter and Solus blocked as many as they could, but it had been only the first attack, and now the cutlasses were stabbing towards them. Solus and Bardar readied their blades too, though they feared indeed that there was no way they could stave off the violent advance of a dozen angry orc buccaneers. Welcome, travelers. Three dwarves have been found, but they are guarded by the meanest group of orcs ever seen. There's lots more to discover this episode of the Iron Realm, and I can't wait to share it all with you. That reminds me, have you posted your thoughts and comments on these episodes? Well, don't be a stranger. I can't wait to see what you're going to say after this episode. And why not subscribe while you're there, or follow me on Twitter? Because trust me, you don't want to miss a minute of what's yet to come. Onward into the maze. Let's go and keep your swords held high. 
The Iron Realm, copyright A.E. Lenzo, is the world's first play-by-podcast RPG campaign. The voice of Celeste in tonight's dramatization was drawn from audio originally created by and offered by Ashley Eddy through freesound.org under the Creative Commons Attribution License. Further information can be found at theironrealm.com or at theironrealm.blogspot.com under this episode's show notes. My sincere thanks as well to you, Ashley, for your masterful contribution to the Iron Realm cause. Secrets of the Maze Master, Maze Master, Maze Master. Character 8 gives you everything you need to be a player in the Iron Realm setting. But if you want to be your own Maze Master too, Secrets of the Maze Master will give you all the insight you need to run your own solitaire fantasy game. Part 8. Halflings. So nicknamed because they are only half the size of other races, halflings are nonetheless brave in the face of adversity while tending to be good-natured and loyal to their friends. A halfling reaches character level 2 at 2,000 level points and character level 3 at 4,000 level points. A halfling adds 6 life points to his or her max life points for each character level that he or she possesses. A halfling's death saves are phenomenal, and I list them for you now as follows. Death saves of the first kind, plus 9. Death saves of the second kind, plus 8. Death saves of the third kind, plus 7. Death saves of the fourth kind, plus 4. Death saves of the fifth kind, Plus five. Halflings are skilled in all weapons available to them, though they are disallowed from using the largest weapons, such as two-handed swords, longbows, battle axes, pole arms, or lances, and some weapons that are one-handed for humans are considered to be two-handed for halflings, such as the longsword. Halflings can have a shield and any kind of armor, assuming that these are sized for them, and in combat, they fight as well as a warrior. Halflings are also excellent at hiding, and when making a determined attempt to remain quiet while also having a form of cover, a halfling has a 2 in 6 chance to successfully hide undetected, yet If the halfling should ever find him or herself in a woodland setting, the chance to be detected is only 1 in 10. Finally, halflings have all kinds of bonuses in combat. For example, an armor value bonus of 2 when attacked by large creatures. That is to say, creatures larger than humans. And halflings also get a bonus of 1 to the hit when using any missile weapon. Lastly, halflings get a bonus of 1 to initiative 
if ever adventuring in a halfling-only group. Even greater power awaits the halfling at higher levels, though the details given here should suffice through character level 3. Hide where you can, halfling, and fight where you must. And may you evade death at least a little longer. Tribal Matters Twenty-fourth day of Primaris, 3 p.m., level Alpha 1, room 19, the Pirate's Room, is located at 619-1021. Stockholm is injured at 9 out of 10, so is Celeste at 13 out of 30, and Solus, 4 out of 8, and Bardar, 4 out of 7. Spells available to the group, Amazar, Door Denial, and Orson, Ventriloquist. There are 18 orcish buccaneers dressed in leather armor and wielding cutlasses dangerously. Within their grasp, three dwarvish slaves. And these mean-looking pirates also have a large treasure chest, which they are attempting to open. If you're looking to be paid for those slaves, says Solus, perhaps we can come to a deal. Carefully, he lowers his sword a bit in order to show his willingness to bargain. Let's have a reaction check. Only a five is rolled, and the pirates charge in immediately. Solus and Bardar were ready for the attack. They back up a little to take advantage of the defensibility of the doorway as they're swarmed by pirates from all sides. Initiative, the tribe of Solus. A five, the pirates. A four. Looks like we've got to jump on them, says Solus, and he brings his sword to bear. Looks like Solus needs a nine. Five is not enough. They come quickly, pushing Solus back as he tries to hold them off with his shield. Barter swings, needing an 11 with the Skull Sword. 11! Its magic power serves him. He strikes the pirate for 8 points of damage, which slays him in a bloody brutal way. Nim, who is right behind, uses her power to heal a point for Barter which brings him back to five, whilst Orson works his magic spell, Ventriloquist. I me parties, stand down, stand down, says Orson, getting his voice to echo from the lips of the pirate leader. Orson's charisma, a seven, is pretty poor, but let's see what he can do. The roll is a 13. The pirates are not fooled. Over to the pirates. With the first one slain, they are tested to make a bravery check. Bravery seven, let's have it. An 11. The pirates have been so shaken and confused by the quick ferociousness of the attack that the first of them drop their weapons in surrender 
with the others soon forced to follow. Soon all of the group has swarmed into the room, tying the hands of the pirates and releasing the three dwarves. That's 180 level points for the pirates. The orc captain, Bloodbeard, and his men are questioned at some length by the tribe. We were on a raid, says Bloodbeard himself, to track down this treasure and then take it back to our ship. Preposterous, says Amazon. A ship in the realm? Tell me, Captain, where exactly is your ship? The orcs seem confused for a moment, until Bloodbeard finally asserts, Half a day's trek to the shore. That's where we have it stowed. On the Bay of Carus, an out-of-the-way little cove that only we know. What does he mean, says Solis? I don't understand. Then allow me to explain, says Amazar. Most inhabitants of the realm are born from the void into most any space available. It seems our orcish friends were literally born yesterday, still confused about where they are and when. So the ship, says Solus, memory, fantasy, says Amazon. If ever it did exist, it was some other world, not the Iron Realm. Take those words back, says Bloodbeard, or I'll cut your throat. Seems you are in no position to threaten anyone, says Amazon. Look, says Solus, we'll be glad to let you go, and you can keep on looking for your ship. But do understand, we're going to have to take your weapons. We're not going to take a chance on you coming back after us. The orcs are angered, but indeed, as the wizard said, they have little choice but to comply. Their cutlasses are gathered all up, as are their crossbows, and some of their other gear too. The pirates are left with some clothes, armor, and basic gear, but this is all that they are allowed. Next, Blend, Twyla, and Nim go to the dwarves that have been freed. I'm going to quickly generate some stats for them. Okay, stats generated. Let me see if they qualify. No problems here. Each one has a constitution of nine or higher. Now to check their current life points. Master Brevik, the younger male dwarf with the red hair, is at 5 out of 9, while Thora, the blonde-haired female, has 3 out of 9, and the black-haired dwarf, known only as Marks, has 8 out of 8. He is at full. Although they are cautious at first, Nim tries to comfort them. Here, she says. Let me heal you. And she borrows the sword from Solus. She then directed the healing to the dwarven female. Let's see what's recovered. Three life points. Nora next approaches Master Brevik and heals him by her horn. 
giving him two points and taking him to seven out of nine, while Twyla offers a further point to Thora, taking her to seven out of nine as well. The dwarves are grateful for what has been given, and the group soon finds that the treasure was indeed theirs. They were forced by the orcs to lead them to it. But it's yours now, says Marx. For saving our lives, it's the very least that we can offer. Please, take everything you want. More questions follow. Though neither the dwarves nor the orcs seem to know anything about the whereabouts of Hyren, but the dwarves do hint at the location to the secret stairway which leads to level Alpha 2. I will tell you that it is located in one of the unexplored areas of the map, and I offer a bonus to you if you can identify its location. Come within three squares, and you may roll for two bonus transcendent ranks. Go ahead and mark down my challenge. The exact location will not be revealed until a future show. With the dwarves now healed, the group takes to the maze again. And as they leave room 19, Amazar casts Door Denial behind them in order to keep the orcs locked in. Oh, they'll get out eventually, says the wizard. By then, we'll be long gone. Let's keep moving, says Solus. While we're in this area, let's see if we can find another base camp. We need a place that we can hide from these orcs, from the dark elves, and the goblins too. Fortunately, the treasure chest has handles, and two of the dwarves, Master Brevik and Marx, take charge of it, carrying the heavy takings down the hall. They position themselves with Thora at the center of the marching order as the group continues. I'm going to say it's 4 p.m., and let's start them out from position 823, heading east. The dice show it should be 90 minutes before Amazar's spell expires, and this may indeed be enough time. The group keeps their light on a little longer, and as they travel east, they encounter a short straightaway of one square, and as they continue east, they come upon a door. The thieves and the dwarves check it for traps. For Brevik, Thora, and Marks do not know what lies beyond. There are no traps found, and no sound is heard. So the group works hard until the door comes open at last. Beyond is a dusty room. It is 50 feet by 50 feet. That is to say, five squares across and five down. The door itself is located in the lower western corner and it is on the western wall. The group goes within, hammering in their spikes, as well as the leather barrier, the tapestries hanging from the tall ceiling, seem to depict demons, ghosts, spirits, and specters. And though the images are unsettling, further inspection shows the room to be safe enough. We'll be okay for the moment, says Brevik. Here, we open the treasure chest to you. 
what's ours is yours. May it please you as much as it has pleased us. Treasure Room Let's take a look into the treasure chest. There's a 25% chance for copper. None is found. A 30% chance for silver. No silver. 20% chance for electrum. There is none. And gold, a 35% chance. Yes, it seems there's gold. 4,000 coins in all. 25% chance for platinum. There is none. And a 50% chance for gems. Yes, many gems are found. 24 in all, of all descriptions imaginable. There's a 50% chance for jewelry. And yes, many items are found. 17 pieces. Finally, a 30% chance for magic items. Yet these are absent from the hoard. I'll take a moment now to calculate the value of the gems and jewelry found. There are 5,110 gold pieces worth of gems within the hoard. Rubies, emeralds, opals, sapphires, diamonds, and more. Six gems total worth 10 gold pieces each. Three gems total worth 50 gold pieces each. Nine gems total worth 100 gold pieces each. Four gems each worth 500. And two gorgeous diamonds worth 1,000 gold pieces each. 24 gems in all. While the jewelry is worth 16,915 gold pieces. It's time to divide up the hoard, so let's start with the mundane items recovered. Twelve cutlasses from the orc pirates, and one is given to each of the following. Master Brevik, Thora, Marx, Solus, Stockholm, Bardar, Iona, Kana, Paola, Lelena, Orson, and Nora. Each of these also get one of the twelve crossbows with ten quarrels each, and a quiver. Eighteen water skins have also been recovered, and these two are given to the dwarves. The dwarves are also outfitted with extra backpacks, sacks, and belt pouches recovered from the orcs. I'm taking a look at the items carried by Iona, Kana, and Paola, I see each of them has a chainmail shirt to spare, and so these are given unto the dwarves as well. They're not a perfect fit, but they will suffice. As it turns out, these dwarves are all expert armorers, and will in time be able to make do with the raw materials they have been given in order to create three fine chainmail shirts for one another. I'm going to say that all the gems and gold are put in the large chest that the group obtained earlier, and then it is locked using a secret catch revealed by the dwarves. 
As for the jewelry, let's have a closer look now. There is a lovely naval barbell set with emerald. It is worth 500 gold pieces, and this goes to Nim. There's also a fine gold ring. It is thin and beautiful. It is valued at 700 gold pieces, and this goes to Celeste. Meanwhile, two fine platinum rings, 800 gold pieces each. One is given unto Solace, and one unto Len. Whilst two beautiful diamond rings, worth 1,200 gold pieces each, are worn by Solace and Kailana. I see also within the hoard there are two beautiful silver set scabbards as well, 900 gold pieces each, given as a prize to Bardar and Nora. And there is a collection of beautiful gold necklaces and body chains, fit for a girl with a slight form. These go into Elena's care, worth a thousand gold pieces each, six thousand in all. And there are sapphire earrings, worth thirteen hundred each, twenty-six hundred gold for the set, and this pretty prize is given to the unicorn girl, Twyla. There are two diamond-studded collars, which are found to fit Nora and Celeste well, and so they take these fourteen hundred gold pieces each. I also see a regal mahogany staff set with a large emerald. It is worth fifteen hundred gold pieces. It goes to Amazar and is able to function as a staff in combat. There's also a curious find discovered near the bottom of the chest. It is a fine gold gauntlet. It is called the Fist of Gold, and it goes to Stockholm. The moorings upon the gauntlet appear ready to receive gems, and Marx explains to Stockholm that the item is possessed of great dwarven heritage. All valuables found are equivalent to 26,025 gold pieces and are worth the same in level points. The group also gets a 50-point award for the intro, Elven Marriage, 190 for Reckoning with the Goat Herd, and 50 more for the real roleplay segment during episode 55. The intro to 56 is also worth 50 level points, and 180 points were earned also for Reckoning with the Orc Pirates. That makes 26,545 level points in all. That's 16.59 each, split 16 ways, with one point left over that goes to Len. Lo and behold, the level points for the group now stand as follow. Solus, 31.41, Len, 31.38, Kailana, 28.40, Stockholm, 33.93, Tevin. 2767, Amazar, 3243, Leona, 4008, Kana, 3607, Aeola, 3917, Bardar, 
Nora, 4294, Twyla, 3357, Nim, 2930, and Celeste, 26-708. The group has leveled up many times, with the majority of the group now at level 2 or higher. And so tonight, you have witnessed the greatest victory by the group thus far. A kingly reward in a dungeon deep. Yes, this has been a great victory indeed. At last, the expert advice and strategies you need to win the world's first play-by-podcast mega-dungeon, along with the customizable gaming aids you need to record your progress in an invaluable adventure log format. The Iron Realm Dark Fantasy RPG campaign brings the focus back to where it belongs, deadly danger, traps, the unknown, dark dungeon, corridors, creatures, a desperate fight to survive in a world of utter darkness. In an audio drama unlike any other, you fight alongside the tribe against every dark fantasy horror that hides within the deepest reaches of the Iron Realm Infinite Mega Dungeon. And now, with the Iron Realm Adventure Log and Strategy Guide at your command, you will partake of this dangerous world, and where others have merely walked, you may yet conquer. For within these pages you are given the action, chapter by chapter, the clues, the expert advice, and the strategies you need straight from the game creator and into your hands. This is the Maze Master's deepest wisdom for securing the greatest treasures, taking advantage of the best tactics, and enjoying the richest role-playing that a fully loaded Iron Realm campaign has to offer. Yet this volume also serves as a comprehensive adventure log for the character that you create, including space, for gaming stats, maps, logs, notes, challenges, profiles, histories, transcendent disciplines, powers, treasures, and much, much more. No longer will you have to fumble through a mess of pages at a critical life and death moment. All you need is here, in a handsomely compiled portfolio for your ease of use and enjoyment. The greatest adventure beckons you now from the dark. Find what you need within to play it as a solo or as a multiplayer delve beyond all imagining. The Iron Realm awaits. I, your Maze Master, will see you there. Find the Iron Realm Adventure Log and Strategy Guide at drivethroughrpg.com. That's through with a U.
and enable your adult settings in order to see all the Iron Realm offerings. Give yourself the advantage of future sight and take you now this reasonably priced volume for less than you ever imagined. Get it in ebook form or in a soft cover format readily made to accept all your notes and role-playing too. Don't miss your chance. The Iron Realm Adventure Log and Strategy Guide is yours for the taking. Get it now, and look for future volumes too, coming soon to detail every chapter of the game. Thanks for supporting the show. May my newest offering please you all. I have been your maze master, Abel Enzo. Remember, play hard or go home. Iron Rail! Good night, everyone.